Hello folks, welcome to the 100th episode of the Forbidden Planet International Podcast. That was our fanfare. It's quite quite the, quite the horn you had there. <laughs> Indeed. Here we are, I'm Peter and apparently I'm giving you the horn and this is Derek with me. Don't give anyone the horn though. Okay, <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> and we're here to give you a quick rundown of some of the exciting comics and graphic novels that are out this Wednesday. It's the 31st of July 2019. We also have an exciting interview coming up and we have an amazing competition so stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. So first of all, from DC Comics this week, we have American Carnage, Batman Last Night on Earth, Batman Secret Files, The Batman Who Laughs, Green Lantern Annual, Justice League Dark Annual, and the Red Hood Outlaw Annual. Not a huge amount from DC this week, but it's quality. Pure quality. Sure. What have you got? Uh, I think, I believe that's the final issue of American Carnage. I think it is, yeah. Yeah, so, and it's a series I've really enjoyed. I've not had a chance to check this one out yet. But I hugely implore you, if you've not read it, get get the collections when they come out. First one's out. Uh, it's a really, really powerful story. It's amazing. Just go with it. It's it's fantastic. Brian Hill's just written an incredible story. So yes, please check that out and enjoy it. Uh, part two, as I said, of Batman Last Night on Earth is out. And yes, Snyder and Capullo reunited again on the bat in this uh, kind of future epic tale. It's really insane. Really, I'm just actually flicking through it just now, which I know Derek hates. I do. But here we are. I really do. But yeah, he's basically actually it's going all over the DC universe. In this uh, the clues in the title, he is yeah. like the kind of the lap. Uh, yeah, it does. If you've been, if you've read any of Snyder's Batman stuff or the majority of it, then you're going to get a lot from it. I think they've Definitely. said this is this is going to be Snyder's last kind of a solo Bat story. Indeed. So it very much feels that way as well. So and yeah, you're right enough. It's pretty nuts as well. Yeah. Um. So yes, if you've read, if you managed to grab the first one, uh, we've still got a few copies of the first one left. Although mm. I imagine they'll be gone by time two hits. So don't miss out. Indeed. Sticking with uh, Scott Snyder's Batman, the final part of the Batman Who Laughs is out. This with obviously great art from Jock. So yeah, that's it. Finally out, folks. That's it. That was a surprise seventh issue that we didn't know about until we were halfway through. It's like, ha-ha, bye issue seven. Indeed. And also we have Batman Secret Files this week. It's a time to City of Bane. So yeah, please, please pick that one up and uh, have a look at that. You've got some amazing work in here. Andy Kubert's in this. It's great. Uh, oh, I. Yeah, we've got uh, Steve Orlando, Eduardo Riso. Here we go. Dave Stewart and Colors. This is great. This is really, really pretty, this book. And oh yep, I'm not gonna. Um, I was gonna say, can you, sorry, gonna just put that away. That's fine. Uh, I'll only mention one more, and that's going to be the Green Lantern Annual. This is absolutely bonkers. I've read this one. Have you read it? Yeah, right. Who's it? Uh, I don't think Sharps and artwork is on. It's a um, Kevin Coley, I think. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he's doing a lot more. He's kind of doing stuff for. for Kind of a, for both companies as well as for uh, Marvel, uh, Marvel and DC as well. But I think most of it's going to be DC. Yeah. Although I think he was announced for that the Snyder and Charles Soule image title, which I can't remember if they actually gave it a name yet. They were advertising it about the like them eventually building a wall around America. Yeah. And um, and you fast forward so many years, and then they open it to find how much has changed in it as well. Mm. So it sounds fascinating and obviously very topical as well. And he's going to be the artist in that. Indeed. This, this is a fantastic issue, and it also has the return of a fan favourite, well, fan favourite to me, character from, so, from the Bronze Age. Singular fan <laughs> favourite. Uh, yeah, which will tie into something we're going to talk about later on, I think. So, yeah, it's, it's Grant Morrison being, being nuts, and, uh, and it's a great one-shot tale. So, yeah, please check out Green Lantern Annual Number 1. The intre- like the most infuriating thing is, I'm sure I read in an interview who it was that he was bringing back for the annual, and I've completely forgotten. Okay, so <laughs> I may actually spoil it when I talk about the thing later on, but hey, uh, never mind, we'll find out. Uh, well, you better not, because <laughs> I'm glad I've forgotten it. But anyway, I'll give you 100 reasons uh, why I won't spoil it, but that's fine. <laughs> not 99 reasons? Not 99 reasons, 100. Right, cool. <laughs> uh, on to Marvel. Uh, Avengers issue 22. You've got that Mephisto. You're going to be... Actually, this one's going to be a good one, because it's the return. Uh, well, I say return is going to be a bit more kind of a lead on with that Johnny Blaze because as readers regular readers of Avengers will know he is the king of hell Uh, so you're going to see a wee bit more about him and I presume this will be a launch pad for the new Ghost Rider series they announced uh, later on in the year as well so I'm choking for that good stuff Uh, you've got Black Panther and Captain America out this week you've also got Conan the Barbarian issue 8 and you've got 
Fantastic Four issue 12. This is Ben Grimm's honeymoon. So mm. I'm looking forward to that. But as you'll probably guess yes, by the cover, uh, it gets a bit spoiled. Uh, so <laughs> what, no, a ro- really? <laughs> what a revolting development that would be. <laughs> You've got Friendly Neighbourhood Spider-Man issue 9, which is just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd recommend that. Nice kind of, uh, you don't need to have read several decades worth of Spider-Man. You just read it and enjoy it. It's got the Prowler in it as well, but maybe a wee bit different from the Prowler you might have seen in Enter the Spider-Verse, but still, you've got the first two parts. This is part three. Read it and find out. Mm-hmm. You've got Venom Annual, issue one as well. I think Donny Cates is writing this one. No, it's not. I beg your pardon. Aye, because it's the Axe of Evil tie-in as well. Aye, Lady Hellbender as well as her name, because we were trying to remember what, she was, trying called, to remember yeah. what she was called. Mm-hmm. She first appeared in a totally awesome Hulk the first arc of that as well, poor Amadeus Cho had some bother with her as well. So that's going to be quite exciting. But we've got two, two, and I'll go for the first one, the most kind of a bonkers one, which is the Return of Death's Head, Whee! which might not mean a lot to a few of you. I, I, I don't know. If you're a fan of Brit, like Marvel UK comics, then it will mean a great deal. Yes. And if not, then if you're after something a wee bit different, then why not read this? Yes. Uh, it's hard to kind of give you a brief summary of him he's basically a bounty hunter Uh and he's kind of a robotic and yeah he's just a bit he's like a cyborg Boba Fett uh, Ross was Lobo kind of a without the bastards every every second sentence but still (laughs) yes (laughs) but uh, yeah Teeny Howard's writing that one as well uh, and she's she's an up and coming writer as well Mm -hmm. not up and coming but she's starting to get a a wee bit more work with Marvel now Uh, she will be doing Excalibur for the new X-Men titles coming out later on in the year as well Mm -hmm. so this is another kind of a a high profile one. Actually, I forgot she's doing Thanos as well. Oh, and I completely forgot about that. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so you've got issue four of that, which happens to be this week as mm-hmm. well. So that's a nice wee time with that. Okay. But the big one, again, this week, you've probably guessed it already if you're familiar with what's coming out this week, is Powers of X, aka Powers of Ten. Because mm-hmm. it's uh, Roman numerals X, uh, so that would be ten. There you go. So ten is, for this comic, the magic number. And what's ten times ten? Well, just issue one. Just so, issue one. okay. <laughs> so that's not, not 100. Okay. No. That's fine. No. Enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, it does tell its own story, but I would recommend not missing it. It is building a grand tapestry between the two of them. So, it's like one, it says inside of it, it's two story, it's two series, but one story. So, yeah, I would yeah. say it's very important <clears throat> to read it. <clears throat> but, yeah, there's some really, really big ideas in it. Really big, scary ideas in it, and you're really seeing the scope of it as well. As again, some more hardcore X Men fans would probably recognize one or two characters in it, or kind of a get the idea of where it might be going. It's definitely something. Have you had a chance to read it? Yeah, yeah, yeah I read, okay, yeah, I okay. read it. I've only read House so far, but I love that. Absolutely adored that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, if you like that, then yeah, you'll enjoy this as well. Uh, the artist for this one is R.B. Silva. And yes, it, it does go into a wee bit more of the characters in the front of the comic. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah, that's as much as I can really tell you without okay. going into great detail. No, so, you will find you will find out why the metallic uh, magic slash colossus character is and the red nightcrawler so Ooh, but don't get me wrong that's only a couple of questions answered yeah. you will have about 10 more for every one that answers so well, it's jonathan hickman after all <laughs> yeah and it, again it's definitely a hickman comic so yes yeah. if you enjoy house x then you'll enjoy powers it is pivotal reading hey. uh, but we'll move on to image and we've got the return of the ice cream man with mm-hmm. unlucky 13 the horror anthology, not anthology, but the horror, each kind of story, I've said this in previous episodes, but done in one. Each, it's kind of a done in one, but it's definitely an ongoing kind of a storyline in it. So they are all connected. You'll know why if you read them. So you've got three <clears> trades <throat> of that, and this is the start of the new arc, I believe. You've got Paper Girls, issue 30. I'm not sure if it's the last one or not. I, I think it's actually, it's a bit bigger size, so I'm going to say it is. So, which is quite scary. I think, I think you're going to okay, do a quality yeah, check. check on it. I think it is. It looks like it. No, it is. It's, it's, it's got a very final end looking final page. Right, well, wow. Right, so, so that that is then. So, this is the last issue of Paper Girls. It's a bit of a chunkier issue as well. So, for fans of Paper Girls, this is obviously not one to miss. 
Uh, maybe they're the best jumping on point. So <laughs> if you've not read any of them, I, I don't know. Maybe catch up in trades first. Yeah. Uh, but no, or just, or just work backwards. Just you know, work backwards. That's it. Uh, well, well, yeah, you yeah. could do that. Deconstruct the entire series. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a lot of time travel in it, so you probably could get away with doing that with yeah. Paper Girls. So speaking of returns as well, you've got Realm issue fourteen, and you also have the penultimate issue of Spawn. Well, not penultimate. Three hundred is not the last one, but it's the last one before three hundred. Yes. Where stuff happens and yes. It's been building up for this for quite some time yeah so, <laughs> spoiler yeah. spawn goes to hell <laughs> again <laughs> and he meets Johnny Blaze crossover no one could expected. you imagine no one oh, heads would explode well go and fire at least uh, it's so high <laughs> from boom you've got Angel issue 3 and Steven Universe issue 30 as well from IDW you've got Gears of War pop one shot so you're getting a Gears of War comic in pop format well, hey. for all you pop vinyl maddies good stuff there. so there you go that's crazy <laughs> it's quite a good, it's quite a big week from IDW actually following on from the special last week you've got Glow issue 4 mm-hmm. you've got Joe Hill's Cape Fallen issue 4 that's that, been a long time since issue 3 it so, feels like a wee while yeah. for that yep uh-huh. Marvel Action Spider-Man issue 6 and Sonic the Hedgehog Tackle and Whisper I've not really played any of the newer Sonic stuff I don't watch Boom so I have no idea who those two are Okay. Uh, but I'm sure for all you fans out there, you will know who that is. Indeed. Uh, so from Dynamite this week is... Oh, you, you, Peter's doing this one I'll, because, I'll funnily, funnily enough, it is we have, relevant to his... We have a, a one-shot, Red Sonja, Lord of Fools. So, yeah, you can check this out. It does follow on from Mark Russell's current Red Sonja series, but it is also a one-shot. You can read it on itself. And speaking of Mark Russell, stay tuned because I have an exclusive interview with him later on in the show. There you go. Right, back to those comics that are out this week. There you go, back to the rest of the comics. Bragging there. Fight Club 3, issue 7 from Dark Horse. We also have the first bun in the oven this week, which is what I'm calling it, sorry. (laughs) Manor Black. This one that has bun co-writing it. Talent bun this is, of course. Oh, well, <laughs> in, in case if you you've not listened to it before, you know who I'm talking about. Not just so. a bun writing. <laughs> Can you imagine that, an actual sentient bun writing comics? Yeah. Would that explain why Colin Bun's writing so many? He's got like wee sentient buns, part of a hive mind, that are writing all these comics. It's just a and bakery, these... and he just keeps on baking these Mad ideas. Mad alchemy bakery. I think Grant Morrison's written this story. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> potentially more on this later, <laughs> or maybe not. We'll be silent. The bakery like, of tales. We'll get an email and shut up. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, no, I won't email us. We'll come to us in our dreams. That's fine. It's okay. Oh, for them, but good luck to them there. They would have come in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Man or Black issue one of four uh, from Dark Horse this week. And like I say, it's not the first one or the last of uh, Colin Bun this week. Mm. And you also have Stranger Things six issue three. So only one more issue remaining of that as well. We've got five years as well. Teddy Moore's uh, total wrap up of his Teddy Moore verse. Is that the call Teddy Moore verse. Teddy Moore verse. Let's call it that. Okay. Teddy Moore. Teddy. I don't. Well, certainly it's a big crossover. Whether it's going to be yeah. a wrap up, it certainly is incorporating all. Well, it's the last all issue. Stuff he done. No, it's not. But no. I'm just saying it's, it's just continuing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you're a fan of any of his work and you haven't picked this up yet, then it's there. Yeah, Motor it. Girl, yeah. Uh, Strangers in Paradise. Mm-hmm. Has it got Echo? I believe so, yeah. Right, okay. uh, it's all interconnected, so yeah. I'm, I must plead ignorance to it, unfortunately. I, I, I read most of Motor Girl, and I did right, enjoy okay. it, but I've not read The Strangers in Paradise. I need to get, okay. need to, get to that. From Albatross. Good to Albatross. Albatross. Uh, you've got Goon Issue 5. What's that? Five? How, how can that be? Where did four go? Don't worry. Eric Powell is on the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't know why see... I descended into a Columbo-esque episode there I used to imagine walking about with a magnifying glass looking for clues <laughs> Where did it go? Uh, no, I think there was a bit of a, a boob So unfortunately, well not unfortunately Because they've all been standalone anyway But yes, 5 is out uh, this week instead mm-hmm. of issue 4 So mm-hmm. next month we're getting 4 But yes um, Wibbly wobbly timey way, mate I know I'm going to get it anyway. Well, if, I don't know if I'm going to read it or not, just for the sake of, like, complete... That, uh, comic reading, comic fans, comic reading, such a... It's hard to explain how brain how our brains work. It's such a curious thing. But, Indeed, curious thing, brain. Yeah. The brain. Comic brain, obviously. But yes, issue five instead of four. But you can read it. They have assured us that we can read it without spoiling anything. So you will be fine. But if not, you'll have four next month. So you're not missing... Right, we have the the second bun in the oven, which is mm-hmm. Knight's Temporal, and that's from Aftershock uh, for Bun. So that one's an interesting one. I'm sure that one's got the holographic cover on it. 
Or it's got a holographic. Yeah, it's got a holographic. Yeah, it does. That looks really. Yeah. I was going to say neat. Striking. I don't say neat. Striking. I don't know where neat came from. That's neato. That's neat. <laughs> but no, it's pretty cool. So you can have a look at that. I'm sure it'll grab your eye when you're looking at the new shelves. Such as Life is Strange issue 7 as well. I'm sure that'll grab your eyes as well. Indeed. I've got Punk Mambo issue 4 of 5 from Valiant Comics, obviously. And we've got a kind of a Archie double biller. You've got Riverdale season 3 issue 5, just in case you're forgetting what season we're on. And uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch issue 4 of 5. So yeah, pick them up before they are gone. They're very popular. And yeah, that's our comics. Moving on now to the graphic novels that are out this week. What have we got there, Derek? Oh, quite, quite, quite a wee bit, Peter. Have okay. you got a bigger pile than that? Probably not. A thicker not. pile, but it's a, a friend thicker with a thicker pile. But, but I think you've got more titles. Right, yeah, I probably do, actually. You've got a Sadarsky double bill this week. Mm-hmm. You've got the first trades of Daredevil and Invaders. I've, I've already said how good they are in previous volumes, so I'm not going to go over it again. If you've not been reading them in single-issue format, then... You've got the trades now. There's no excuses now. So Daredevil's 1 to 5 and Invaders is 1 to 6. They are great stuff and arguably some of the best stuff Marvel's putting out right now by that Chip Zdarsky as well. So yes, now's your chance. What about you, Kyle? I've got the final volume of Injustice 2. This is it. This is the tie-up to all of the Injustice stuff. Wowzers, until they yeah. make Injustice 2. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, but at the moment, this is it. So, yeah, this has all the issues from Injustice 2, issue 31 to 36, plus the second annual. Wowzers. So, yeah, if you've been reading Injustice and you've been waiting desperately in this, I think this has been quite well coming out. They, they take so long collecting them as yeah. well. So, uh, like, for the, the patient among you, 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 the wait's over. Indeed. So, this lovely hardback is out this Wednesday. So, check that one out. Uh, speaking of lovely hardbacks, I'm going to do this just now, and don't know if you can hear that. You were going to slam that against the table there, and I was like, Peter, don't I was, do it. I would, I would, <laughs> would destroy the table. We have a giant omnibus of the authority. Yes. He says authoritatively. They are back. Uh, this has got pretty much... Well, it's the whole first series. It is the whole first series, yeah. Uh, so it's all stories from Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch, uh, the Martin Miller, the Frank Whiteley stuff, Dustin Gwynn's in this as well. It's got the entire first series. Also, you've got the Planetary Authority ruling the world crossover, the 2000 annual, the entire Jenny Sparks miniseries, stories from the Wildstorm Summer Special, and Wildstorm A Celebration of 25 Years. It is a chunky, chunky, chunky tome. And if you've never read this before, it's... It was transformative stuff. It really the changed. head stuff's incredible. Yeah, it really changed the comic. The Quietly stuff was incredible. It's yeah. a bit more satirical and super the super stuff because yeah. there's a more kind of a bastard sized uh, versions of the Avengers in it. Yeah, uh, because like the authority are almost kind of a Justice League. So you know you do have a kind of a DC versus Marvel kind yeah. of thing in it as well. Uh, but you know the head stuff's incredible. I would add, like the Ellis and Hitch stuff. Sorry. Who will be reuniting for Batman and later in the year? Very exciting. How exciting is that? Yes. That's awesome. So, yeah, if you've never read it before, it's one massive volume. It's amazing. Check it out. Awesome. Right. I have got, speaking of Miller, you've got Prodigy, the collection. And that is Raphael Albuquerque. And his yeah. art is fantastic. Yeah, his art is yeah. fantastic. Uh, weirdly enough, they've not, unless it's a variant cover, they've not went for a cover by him. I reckon. That's interesting. Um, but yes, yes, his artwork is inside that, and that is lovely. You've got also from Image Deadly Class. This is volume eight as well. If you're a bit gutted about the TV series not continuing on, you still have the comic. Remender himself said that the, the first series feels quite nice where you can watch it and if you want to find out the rest of the story you just read the comic yeah. you know the comic's excellent again it's one of those ones I usually highlight anytime it comes out so you can read that and I've only got two more from, from Marvel you've got volume 2 Scotty Young's Deadpool uh, series issue 50 was the last issue he's written for Deadpool so the next one will be the last one cool so that's Awesome. And lastly, I've got the Superior Spider-Man. That pesky Dr. Otto Octavius is still... In his new body. In his new cloned body. Uh Bloody clones. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, he he goes up against Terax, uh, the Terrible, and teams up with Doctor Strange. Uh, That is Christos Gage uh, with Mike uh, Hawthorne artwork in it as well. And it looks lovely. And it's... Yeah, it's got a very nice old school vibe to it. So yeah, he's in um, San Fran. 
and he's doing his superior spider hijinks there. So, no, uh, great stuff if you're a fan of Superior Spider-Man. I love the title, Full Auto. That's awesome. Full Auto, (laughs) I know. Back to DC from the DC Zoom imprint. That's the kid-friendly imprint. We have Dear Justice League, a graphic novel. And basically, it's just lots of fun tales featuring members of the Justice League. And it's all family-friendly. Anyone can read this. It's great. Get your kids into comics with this amazing book. Because, you know... Reading is good. Reading is uh, fundamental. Indeed. <laughs> and there that's, we go. That's all I've got there. That's Peter. all you've got. You've I, got another one there. I see, I was leading up to that, okay. Peter, before you jump in the gun. Sorry. I had a whole bit, 20 minute bit sketch there, but obviously you've just ruined it. That's okay. It's not okay. <laughs> but it's okay because the thing I've got more than makes up for it, and that's Marvels in the giant sized format. If you've not had enough of Marvels, so you're just wondering here, these annotated comics are too small. I need it in a bigger format, then, whoa, boy, have you got, uh, you've got your, you've got your big size format here, it's awesome. Do it again, but make it bigger. <laughs> it's uh, all, all five issues of it, well, zero's kind of a whiff of him, yeah. um, so, you know, there's not much to say, but anyway, uh, zero to four, and uh, could be Zayek, Alex Ross, uh, I, yeah, if you want to see the Marvel Universe from the like the very start, from like World War Two onwards, yeah, um, it's oh, such a love letter to the Marvel Universe. But yeah, and Rossi's art just sings in that size. I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely it's, amazing. No, totally, it's it's lovely. If you've never read it before and you'd be like, ah, I don't know, then there you go. Then oh. you can read it in this lovely format. Uh, I imagine it'll have all the annotated kind of a it's a bit bits too- with it as well. So. Yeah. You know. It's about two and a half feet tall, about one and a half foot across, and we're not exaggerating. <laughs> that's the size of it. Yeah, that's it's a glorious hardcover. It's lovely. And come a zombie apocalypse, it can be used amazingly as a weapon. Uh, so yeah, I would. Uh, I wouldn't. I would... <laughs> you can do that if you want. Okay. No, I don't want to really get eaten, obviously, but nah, I'm I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'll, I'll figure something out. But yeah, Marvel's out this week. The the bigger the biggest collection out this week anyway. So that wraps up the comics and graphic novels. Shall we move on to some news? Sure. This last weekend, I should say, I was at London Film and Comic Con, and I was, I'm literally exhausted from it. <laughs> I'm just bad. And yeah, it was an amazing, amazing time. I met some incredible people. I met Martin Sheen. What comics is he right, Peter? Oh, well, he likes the West Wing comic. He, he wrote get, the West Wing? He's, he's the best president there's never been. But yes, a huge West Wing fan, so that was amazing. Awesome. And yeah. he was along with his son. What's his name again? Oh yeah, Charlie. Uh, yeah, Emilio. <laughs> <laughs> I believe Charlie Sheen was there with them, and I saw their talk they were fantastic uh, met Bernard Cribbins cool he was a joy an absolute gentleman fantastic uh, Jenna Coleman met her as well uh, Jason Momoa just like strutted past a few times you know as he does as, as he would as he does uh, Robert Patrick kept on asking me if I'd seen a boy he's holding up this photograph it was very strange uh, Zoe and Jane from Firefly was he actually there. like walking about if no. you see that like, I would be like here that's pretty cool if he's like, really going for that but I'm like that's awesome see if I've talked to Robert Patrick and he pointed at me I would just run away yeah, yeah you just wouldn't you'd no, be, uh, no. I'd be like, terrible I'd be like Operation Human Shield but, <laughs> help me virtually from any fandom there was someone there it was so so huge and there were some great comic people there as well Kieran Gillen was there. There's no stranger to the comic scene. No, Rob Liefeld was there. He had a massive, massive table and he turned up for it a couple of times. So that was cool. There was also someone else there that I managed to get a little talk with and that was ISO nominated Mark Russell. And would you like to hear what we spoke about? I guess. I'm not doing anything. Sure, that's fine. Well, here's my chat with Mark Russell. Hi, folks. Peter here. Uh, I'm here with Mark Russell. Hi Peter. Uh, hi there. Uh, we're at the London Film and Comic Con, that's why you can hear all this noise in the background. And um, we're here to have a wee brief chat with Mark about his work. You first came onto my radar with Prez, to be honest, uh, with DC, which I think was your first uh, mainstream comic work. That's correct. Yeah, so how did, how did all that come about? It was not only my first mainstream comic, it was my first comic mainstream or not. Oh right. And, okay. Yeah. I had written two books before that, mm-hmm. uh, but they weren't comics. Uh-huh. Uh, they were both about the Bible. And uh, they were called God is Disappointed in You and Apocrypha Now. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought for the longest time that this is why I got the gig at DC. Like, oh, it must be because you know, they, they really enjoyed my books. Sure. But it wasn't until I was telling this story at San Diego Comic-Con that Marie, my editor, like, got up in the middle of the panel and contradicted me. She said, no, that's not what happened at all. <laughs> 
And uh, she got up to the microphone and she said, it wasn't your books at all, it was your Count Chocula fan fiction. Your what? Uh, yeah, I, I apparently <laughs> I had been posting this Count Chocula fan fiction on my Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she saw that and thought, oh, well, this is the guy I want to write the, the premise comic. <laughs> so lucky for me, I mean, okay. uh, everything you do is a lottery ticket. I mean, right time and place. Did it have uh, a kind of particularly satirical bent to it? Or? Yeah, it was a little satirical, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't about politics or anything, uh-huh. about Count Chocula. Okay. So, but she liked it enough that she decided to take a chance on me. Fair and uh, yeah, I got the bug. Uh-huh. Uh, once I started writing Prez, I really, the thing I love about comics is um, not only the fact that you know it has uh, an intense uh, um, audience, it's not only really like got a, got a fandom, which I really enjoy, but also because it allows me to take the things that I don't enjoy about writing, which is like sort of scene building and sure. exposition, and dump that onto an artist. Uh-huh. Which is great. So I get to focus on the things I really enjoy writing. So it's the sort of the perfect medium for me. Fantastic. One of the things that was quite evident in Prez is the satirical bent of it. Do you consider yourself a satirist, or I, I, I consider myself a satirist when I'm writing satire. Okay. Uh, but I'm not always writing satire. Uh, I'm writing Red Sonia right now for Dynamite, sure. which is more of a historical fantasy thing. It's mm-hmm. not really a satire. It's more about. Um, a, uh, it's a fantasy story heavily endowed with um, moments taken from human ancient history. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Prez uh, led on to the Flintstones' work for DC. Uh, and how did that come? Did they contact you, or did you have pitched to them? Or? Yeah, they contacted me. I think they're a little apologetic over the fact that Prez got cancelled. Uh, right, because it was supposed to be 12, wasn't it? It was supposed it to be 12. Yeah. It got cancelled after 6. But I think that everyone there really enjoyed Prez. I don't think it was because they didn't believe yeah. in the comic. It just wasn't selling very well. Uh-huh. So they said, well, you know, that, that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how would you like to write the Flintstones? Yeah. And I was like, well, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of the Flintstones. I don't really remember even ever enjoying mm-hmm. an episode of the Flintstones. You see, I yabba dabba don't want to write the Flintstones. Yeah, and, but Dan DiDio <laughs> said, oh, you sound perfect. Because <laughs> that was the last thing he wanted was somebody to write like a safe sort of homage to the Flintstones. Sure. Which I agree, that would have been a disaster. It would yeah. have been uh-huh. instantly forgettable. Absolutely. So I said, well, if you let me write it my way, um, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Mm-hmm. When, I'm, when I'm thinking about taking on a project, way, what I'm really thinking about is what will this allow me to say? What can I, how can I talk about the world through this lens? And being bedrock, the world's first civilization, I thought, well, this is what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about civilization. Mm-hmm. and the problems with civilization that we're still dealing with today, mm-hmm. I just sort of blamed it all on bedrock. Uh-huh. Well, you also did things like bring in things like corporations with your Mr. Slate, uh, and also the religious aspect. You had the whole things about um, kind of relationships and where actual monogamous relationships came from and whether they should exist or whatever. All that was really interesting. Also, deity worship was a main factor. Yeah, and of yeah, course, it's, uh, war. It's, it's largely yeah. the story about how when people start living in large numbers, mm-hmm. they they you, they no longer get along like they were family. Yeah. So you have to create institutions to control them, to make them pretend to like each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you know, um, police and uh, religion are primarily there to do. They're there to to make us pretend that we like each other, uh, so that we don't, you know, we make civilization tenable. Yeah, absolutely. And you also had some amazing, amazing work with uh, Bowling Ball and Vacuum Cleaner. And Thanks. And yeah, you know, those are like two of the most enduring characters uh, from the Flintstones and their uh, appliances. Absolutely. But that's part, I think, what makes them endearing mm-hmm. uh, is the fact that they're actually mm-hmm. people with personalities yeah. and, you know, worldviews who are treated like appliances. Yeah. So I think everyone relates to that a little mm-hmm. in a one way or another. Just the emotional impact of their story was phenomenal. You had me in tears, so be oh, honest. Well, I'm <laughs> both sorry and gratified by that. And if you told me I was going to cry at Flintstones comic, I <laughs> yeah. would have laughed in your face. No, I, I think that's probably the best writer, or the best compliment a writer can get. It's oh, like thanks. you made me cry over a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that what was one of the things I really wanted to accomplish with Flintstones is talk about sort mm-hmm. of the exploitation of people around because we just begin seeing them as not as who they are but as the roles that make them useful to us yeah and that's the tragedy of bowling ball and vacuum cleaners Mm -hmm. they were seen by the humans only for their utility to the humans yeah and not as you know Mm -hmm. uh, beings with hopes and dreams of their own yeah Uh Uh, and obviously you've stayed within the realm of the, the cartoon tie-ins for quite some time with uh, Snagglepuss and also some of the crossover titles 
like the uh, Huckleberry Hound. Uh, yeah, Hanson. the Hanna Barbera thing was yeah. like the best thing that ever happened to me professionally because it was done by a big two publishers. So I had the clout and the sort of uh, publicity machine of like DC behind it, but it wasn't you know the mainstream DC characters. I wasn't sure. playing with the crown jewels per se. Mm-hmm. But I, I was I was more playing with the rented car, <laughs> so they let me get away with a lot more. So it really was kind of like I was lucky to come in the right place at the right time to be able to work with him, the Hanna Barbera properties. And uh, the Hanna Barbera properties allowed me to be really, I think, edgier than I than I could have been otherwise. Was there not much interference from uh, the Hanna Barbera people about no. where they're? They, they, I think they tried uh, at first, like saying, you know, they gave me a list of things like um, Fred has to say yabba dabba do once an issue. You cannot mention any deities or political parties. And I just kind of said, well, this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah. And, and and Dan said, no, don't worry about that. Just write what you're going to write, and we'll take care of. The rest, and it worked out very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but they were they were pretty hands off, which was which was nice. I wasn't getting a bunch of notes from the licensor, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think um, this is like uh, it, I think when you're Hanna Barbera, you know, it, it, there's not a lot of pressure to interfere because sure. you know there's not a lot going on right now. Mm-hmm. That, and if anything, it's it's a good it's a, it's wise by them to take some chances, to mm-hmm. see if they can resuscitate. This once lively property. Yeah. And your Lex Luthor Porky Pig, for example, that is basically like a manual of how to create a scapegoat. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it was a really great issue as well. Oh, so, thanks. Uh, yeah, that was like one of my favorite things I've ever been able to write. Mm-hmm. I love writing Lex Luthor. He's like probably my favorite character in the, the DC uh, canon. And again, you write. did the Lex Luthor roast as well. I yeah. Think that was great. I really enjoyed that too. Yeah, no, I, they let me write a couple Superman backups, mm-hmm. which if I could choose any character to write a series about, it would be Superman. Really? Okay. Just because I feel like he is the ultimate thought experiment mm-hmm. of uh, this is what we aspire to. Yeah. This is what humanity... It's, it's, I think in a way it's, it's fitting that we had to create an alien to be the embodiment of all that is good about humanity. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I see Superman. Absolutely. Uh, moving on from DC just now to some of the other things you've worked on. Obviously you have worked for IDW doing Judge Dredd. Uh-huh. How did that come about? Uh, that's the only property uh, that I've written that I actively pitched myself. Oh, really? the, I, I went out because I really wanted to work with uh, Mega City One. Okay. I think for my money, it's one of the best uh, worlds ever created in science fiction. How did you come to that? Was that through the 2000 AD titles or was that through IDW or through the movies? Or? The, well, the, 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 the one that I published was through IDW, but yeah, I, I really uh, I love Judge Dredd uh, from the uh, 2000 AD right. stuff. That was, for me, that's the, the canon. Uh, and then um, I also really enjoyed the, the, the Durban movie. Yeah. But really, I wanted to, it to be like sort of uh, a more American version of mm-hmm. the world created by 2018. Yeah. To be more, I, want, I wanted Americans to read it and recognize themselves in it. Sure. And I want both as like this is a system that we live under. Mm-hmm. We're increasingly becoming a police state. Uh, and also to recognize the heroism of not just the hero of the story, but also of the people who help them. Sure. And to feel like that they can have some impact mm-hmm. on their lives and on the world. Because Dredd himself basically is always constant. He's, you know, he's just the immovable you know, figure. And it's, right. it's the people around him that are you know, what tells the story pretty much. Yeah, yeah. well so. I think that in a lot of ways, especially the third movie, which I loved, uh, but but it's really a story about Dread sort of saving everyone else despite themselves. Yeah. It's everyone else is either like a uh, villain or a, uh, a helpless bystander. Yeah. And so I wanted to tell a story about people like rising to the challenge of heroism themselves and like Dread being there just to sort of assist them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that, that's what appealed to me about being able to write that. That, that specific Dread title. Fantastic. What brought you to the Lone Ranger as a, as a title? Well, um, again, I like to work a lot with uh, mythologies and things that let me talk about mm-hmm. things that aren't really specific, unique to that title. And the Lone Ranger let me talk about the American mythology, which is the Old West. That's our sort of national mythology, the sure. idea that you know we, we're a country of cowboys who love freedom and wide open spaces, but really what we uh, think of as that sort of aesthetic today is really, is really kind of destroyed 
by the very people who use that imagery to sort of like promote you know, American exceptionalism. It was when they started closing off the West to form these giant ranches, and, you know, corporate farming, and, uh, and that that the old West kind of died. Ironically, the old West was when it came before this system that we uh, that we have now. Moving back to DC, we have been working on Wonder Twins recently, which has been phenomenal and has been extended to twelve issues now. Yeah. Was that a surprise? Was it originally planned? It as was 12, a surprise or? because. I asked initially uh, whether or not there's any chance that Wonder Twins uh, was going to be extended. They kind of like replied as if I was asking if there, you know, there's any chance, you know, the, uh, the, the the grass might turn blue overnight. <laughs> you know, it was like, well, there's always a chance, sure, but you know, don't 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 like plan your mortgage around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when it did get extended, I was ecstatic because I've had so much fun writing the Wonder Twins, and I had a lot of stories that I wasn't able to put in the first six issues. Sure. So it allows me to sort of like breathe a little bit and expand their world. Uh, so yeah, I'm really happy to, and, and Bendis is the one who offered me Wonder Twins. He offered me oh, really? directly. Oh really? Okay. Oh wow. Because he, it's his Wonder line. Uh-huh. And when he initially offered to me, he sounded a little apologetic, like, oh, you know, I got something I think you'd be great for, but, you know, hear me out, it's the Wonder Twins. Mm-hmm. But he barely got the words Wonder Twins out of his mouth before. I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> so you're familiar with the guys? I see it as an insult at all. I love yeah. the Wonder Twins. Uh-huh. They are always, I think, for me, I love, you know, I grew up on Super Friends, mm-hmm. and they were the most relatable people in the Super Friends because they were allowed to make mistakes. They're, yeah. They're superheroes, oftentimes didn't really help anybody, uh-huh. which is like one of my sort of things I like to write about when I'm writing about superheroes is the sort of incompleteness of physical power as a means to solve problems. Sure. And uh, the Wonder Trends are, I think, were great sort of analog to that. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm thrilled I get to write six more issues of Wonder Twins. Fantastic. We're looking forward to that. Thanks. Hey. Hope I don't screw them up. <laughs> and obviously the most recent thing that uh, you're working on is Second Coming. Yeah. Uh, which originally was supposed to be DC, but then moved to Ahoy. Is, yeah, is... we're with Ahoy now. Uh, and being with a smaller, more sort of boutique publisher has mm-hmm. allowed us to do a lot more. So it was really, I think, best for everyone. Um, we were able to make the first issue 30 pages long, and yeah. it's so much different being with those eight extra pages than it would have been otherwise. And uh, it allows us to bring, us, bring in Leonard Kirk to help Richard Pace. Uh, yeah. This is actually Richard Pace's idea, and I give him total credit for it, but he wanted the, the heaven scenes to look very different than the earth scenes. Mm-hmm. And so it was his idea to bring a finisher to like sort of like change up the artwork yeah. depending upon where the story was taking place. And it just worked out brilliantly. Fantastic. So, what can you tell us about Second Coming for those who haven't heard about it? The uh, short version is that it's a story about Jesus Christ sharing a two-bedroom apartment with a superhero. But the longer, slightly longer version is that it's about a superhero realizing that their powers are useless against their everyday problems. Mm -hmm. And um, a deity coming back to Earth to realize that everyone has sort of ignored his teachings. I write a lot about futility. Yeah. <laughs> that's really where con- well, all conflicts sort of I think, to be honest, we can all relate to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... yeah we're, we all lose more than we win. Well, that's true, yeah. So I think we relate to futility, and I think, yeah, that's the source of conflict. It's like we're... Like, uh, Schopenhauer once said that the life is divided between uh, frustration and boredom. It's like you either are frustrated because you can't get what you want, or you get it, and then you're bored. Yeah. And I, I always find the frustration more interesting. <laughs> Well, I think that's the best way to end that there. So many thanks, Mark. And look forward to doing the rest of Second Coming and the next lot of Wonder Twins. Anything else you have in the pipeline you'd like to uh, talk about? Anything you can talk about? uh, Speaking of Count Chocula, I'm going to have some more of those uh, breakfast cereal uh, monster stories coming out on Ahoy's their title Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror oh fantastic so yeah, they're turning them into like there. short little comic vignettes okay so yeah uh, check that title out Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror and you can catch my Count Chocula fan fiction there uh, although for legal reasons he will be the Marquis de Coco of course yes he always has been yeah. <laughs> many thanks Mark thanks Thank very you. much Cheers. thanks Peter and we're back there we go that was Matt Russell that was amazing. It was. And thanks very much, Mark, for uh, taking some time to speak to me at London. Uh, apologies for some of the audio quality there. It was at a corner. It was literally the quietest corner we could find. But yes, uh, I hope you all enjoyed that. And no, it sounds, like, sounds like a lovely guy. So Good stuff. And if you enjoy the work of Mark Russell 
and you want to get some of his stuff signed, we have a competition for you. Oh. Yes. This is our 100th episode, and uh, we have a couple of Mark Russell signed comics to go to one lucky winner. All you have to do is tell us how many times we say the word 100 this episode, and email your answer to us at fpipodcast at gmail.com. And one lucky winner who we announce next week on the show will get some signed Mark Russell comics. Oh, wait, when do they start? When do they start counting? From, <laughs> <Is it> like... <laughs> from the beginning of the podcast. From the, the beginning to the end of the podcast. The beginning to the end so of the, the podcast. So they got the total of the amount of number, like hundred yes. uh, times they said. Right, Every okay. time I say a hundred or one hundred, then yes, one hundred. Right. Okay. Cool. One hundred or hundred. Hundred. Okay. Yes. Right. Okay. Cool. Those also count, the ones I've just said. By the way, I need to count these as well, because uh, I'm not ticking them off the list. So I've basically made a rod for one back here. Now, <laughs> so the default is I win the comics if, you know, if no one else wins. Uh, that's not true. That's not I'm going to message in a bill. Guy incognito. <laughs> I counted this many. So, as I said, this is our 100th episode, and we asked for your questions. So we got some great responses, so thanks very much. Here's a few of them, because we can't run through them all. Uh, first one's from Chris Kirk. He's asked, can you tell us of any plans you have for the new Glasgow store when it opens? Tons. Yes, it's big. It's bigger. So much bigger than the current Glasgow store. It's about six or seven times bigger. It's going to be over a couple of floors. Imagine a Glasgow store, except spread out and with more stuff in it. Yeah. No, but seriously, though, it's gonna, we're going to have... Yeah, exactly. We're going to have more space for stuff. We're going to have a back issue bit in it as well, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to have whole... Like, we're going to have whole parts of the shop devoted to each thing. So you're going to have a manga section. You're going to have all your new releases, you know, where it's not all made, like a wee bit crowded. It's going to be all open. It's going to be awesome. Indeed. So, yes. And we've got a certain person called Frank Whiteley who's doing some design work for the store as well. Yes. So uh, watch out for some amazing artwork of his mm-hmm. on our walls. Uh, not just on our walls. He's doing some pretty interesting things. So, yeah, it's all still in its uh, early development stages just mm-hmm. now. We're hoping to open roughly November-ish, so yeah, stay tuned, folks. Obviously, we've got uh, we've got Frank Quietly doing it from last year, just till we open on time. <laughs> Obviously, that's a general ribbon for the, the thank you thing of Mr. Quietly's uh, deadline. But yes, it's going to be awesome and well worth the wait. Here we go. Uh, next question is from Kenneth Copeland. He's asking, what are the best issue 100 comics you've read? It's an excellent question. It is an excellent question. Do you want to go... I've got a couple of ideas. Well, so... I shoot for yours. I've, I'm not gonna, okay. I've, I don't have that many so i was thinking back the thing that actually ties into the green lantern annual in fact was green lantern green arrow issue 100 mm-hmm. which uh, features the first appearance of that character that i'm quite a fan of uh, right okay but it's a great fun fun story and it does introduce this character and i really enjoyed it and i don't want to give it away because it would spoil the annual uh, but yes, if you know what I'm talking about, then Daniel is spoiled. Hey! <laughs> so, that's that there. But yes, there's that one. The other one I was thinking of was Justice League of America, issue 100. Oh! That, that was a Justice League, Justice Society crossover. It would be, yeah. And it was the return of those seven soldiers of victory. Oh! Who were spread throughout time. That was a great issue. And my final one is Showcase 100. Have you ever read Showcase 100? I can't say I have, no. It's basically Crisis and Infinite Earths in one comic. <laughs> it's it's mad parallel No, universes. thank you. That's too much for me to take in, <laughs> what, like 20-something pages? Or was it a double-sized thing? Of that? It, it was oversized. I don't think it's quite double-sized, but right. uh, it's maybe like 30 pages or something like that. <laughs> Only 30 pages? The yeah. whole Crisis at, the, at multiple Earths. But basically, it, it was, the idea of it was every character that appeared in Showcase that wasn't a licensed character, appeared in this issue. Right, And okay. just those characters. Uh, so it was just absolutely bonkers. But obviously, there are people from different parallel worlds, sure. people from different times, and they had to like come up with a storyline that made all that work, and they did. And it's uh, Dumb Bunny from the um, Inferior Five, who saves the day, along with Lois Lane, and it's fantastic. It's just... Spoilers so, for Showcase 100. So good. Not just Showcase... All these amazing characters and it's like, you know, the daftest character you can think the of actually saves the day. 
God. So good. So, I, so I loved good. the Sosinski Raven the Bold issue. Oh, he that's did amazing. It was the Legion of Substitute Heroes yeah. and um, the Inferior 5 as well. Because it was a sequel to the... Uh, uh, yeah, Legion, Legion and, and uh, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. That was a, oh, they were both great issues. Because it was a time travel story and they both happened at the same time yep. and they both kind of like... It was insane. Uh, the, the, like, that one has a Star Trek reference to it as well. So oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, like, I'll save that for... People that are maybe back issue hunting, Indeed. we might have in the shop so if, later on in the year. So if you ever see that issue, check it out because it is done in one. It's absolutely nuts, and I think it's was it Joe Stanton that did that? I think it might have been Joe Stanton. Uh, but just off the top of my head, but yes, it's amazing. Check it out. Magic, mm. uh, right? I've I'll, I'll keep it to three. I've got a few, but I'll keep it to three, so I'm not boring one the tears. Uh, first one, the uh, no surprises here. Amazing Spider-Man 100. Oh, it's got one of the best, like. Arguably one of the best covers. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Ramita Senior, and it's just anyone that had appeared at that point in time, which is more or less all of your main villains and support cast members as well. So it's an absolute beaut. And uh, there's a bit of a, a, a twist ending at the end. It's got Spidey trying to cure himself of his spider powers, but mm-hmm. no, it's went horribly wrong, and now he's got four extra arms. Dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. Again, it's one of the best final panels. You'll it's see. pretty, like, yeah. It's one of the best cliffhangers you'll see. It's awesome. In issue 100. And that's not enough for you. The next issue, uh, uh, 101, would have the first appearance of Morbius, the living vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the issue after that would be Morbius and the lizard as well. So if yeah. that's not enough for you, then I really don't know what it is. The next one would be Avengers 100 as well. Mm-hmm. This one, the story arc, followed just after the Kree Skull War. So it's Avengers kind of hoping to find some downtime. They don't. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, Hercules is running for his life. And it's like over a couple of issues, but it's finished in 100. Mm-hmm. And the Avengers have to assemble for the first time oh, okay. uh, to go at the, to siege Olympus. Ah, okay. To get their fellow Avenger. And it's like, there's a, a lovely splash page by Barry Windsor Smith. I think he just called himself Barry Smith at the time as yeah, well, because this so. was like early uh-huh. days as well, uh-huh. like 71 maybe. Mm. Uh, it would have been just before Conan, I'm sure. Arguably the one he's, he's best known for. Uh-huh. And uh, Roy Thomas was still writing it at the time as well. So yeah, you're just getting to see the full team or anyone that had been an Avenger at that time assembled on it. So the Hulk's surly under a tree. He's like, Burr. Hulk doesn't want to be here. Uh, it's, it's, oh, it's awesome. It's beautiful. Uh, it, also noteworthy because it is the first issue that had the new logo as well. Oh yeah. You know that classic uh-huh. Avengers logo? Well, yeah, this, uh-huh. this was the first issue that had it. If, if memory serves me right. Um, so yeah, uh, Avengers 100. It's, it's, it's a banger. As I said, also a wee add-on would be Marvel Team Up 100 as well, uh, which I reread very recently as well because I'm on the New Mutants high. Yeah, spoilers, one of the New Mutants is introduced in that issue as well. It's an absolute star-studded uh, creative team on it. You've got mm. Chris Claremont and Frank Miller on duties on it. It's it's awesome. It's uh, Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. It's mm. pretty awesome. Uh, and yeah, that's that's my picks. Good show. So right. thanks very much for your question there, because uh-huh. that's an epic question. It very much is. I approve of that. Who have we got next? We've got LK Roxanne, and she is asking what is our most and least favourite DC bombshell woman and man? I'd say, well, I think my favourite of the women are, is maybe uh, Hot Girl, because oh, girl, right, okay. cause I love the, you know, I've always been a fan of the jetpack. <laughs> Who doesn't love a jetpack? The, the James jetpack. Bond like rose up to here with a jetpack. I just think it's a, a really cool kind of retro modernization. Is that a thing? Must be uh, sure. of, of the character, and it's just yeah, a lot of fun. That's yeah. <sighs> I, I I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I really like the the Batwoman kind of but baseball player design. Yeah, I really that really I don't know. It's just so simple and elegant. I really like that. So that would be my pick, uh, Batwoman. Uh, least favorite, least favorite man, probably all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, um, uh, I don't know. The sailor, sailor Joker. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, probably okay. sailor Joker would be my pick. Um, mm-hmm. I would say. So. I don't know if I have one for that. To be honest, I'm sure he's a sailor. I can't remember. It's been that long since no. I've read the DC. I'm too busy reading Hot Girl to you know actually notice anyone else. I'll be honest. There we go. So okay. <laughs> so there we are. Uh, so thanks very much, LK, for that one. Callum Boyd's next, asking us for our favourite MCU moments. I've got too many, but I'll narrow it down to two, I guess. Okay, uh, if, you, if you've got two, I've only got one. So we'll oh, what's your one? Go first, just in case. Right, 
It's going to be the cat with the with the Mjolnir. All right, then I've only got one then. <laughs> we can share that one. That's okay. Because okay, cool. that is just the jump out your seats uh, cheering um, moment in that movie. So yeah, cat wielding Mjolnir. I mean, it's it's been a long time coming. Ah, oh, it's just so joyous in the movie. Actually, no, I do have to. I do okay, have. I do have to. Sorry, yeah, I, I, okay. like, I wasn't going to add any more. There's too many. It's such a. I know, there's, there's so many of them. I it's just, like, I'm just trying to think of the one that stood out most for me, and that's like, uh, does moment count as an hour and forty five minute <laughs> film, which would be the first Iron Man one, because that's where okay. it all started. You know what I mean? Uh, to, to Fury at the end of it. Uh, no, I am. Your favorite moment is the casting of Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I, there's, there's far too many. It's like, like, I don't know, you'd think a moment, you think a, like, a, the, the kind of a, after credit yeah. kind of a thing. There's, that's mm. just, you know, there's too many, but yeah, so one would be, uh, J. Jonah Jameson and Spider-Man. I know that's a really recent one, but mm-hmm. it's, that's how good it is. Oh, six in your head. Uh, it's just that. awesome because it's jolly J. Jonah Jameson. And no one saw it going. No, totally not. Was, uh, yeah. Well, it, uh, that leads me to the next one, actually. Mm. Howard the Duck at the end of Guardians. Oh, yes. Nice one. Nice one. Just, who saw that coming as well? It's like, you thought we got away with the rest of the film? Yeah, we're also getting away with this. Howard the Duck. <laughs> I was like, ah! That's when you knew it. Like, I think it was just combined with the whole film, working, mm-hmm. and not just working, but just just being so... Uh, the first Guardians is amazing. Yeah. And it really shows you that Marvel could just do anything. Uh-huh. Oh, actually, uh, within that film, I had three. Uh, okay. the Celestial's been in it as well. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Like... Uh, that was just mad. I remember the first time I was in cinema watching it. Uh, I was going to say Thanos, but I think th- there was rumours about it at the time, so it was right, still okay. cool seeing it, but you're kind of like, mm-hmm. ah, you know. But anyway, I Celestials, all in that same film as well. It's just amazing. So, yeah, I, I, I would say any one of them. Uh, I've got, obviously, tons more than that, but, mm-hmm. you know, we've only got so long to do this. So, Indeed. so I hope that's uh, answered your question. <laughs> Uh, next one's from David Steele. David he's, Steele. He's asking, do you think Marvel Studios could do more to promote sales of Marvel comics? Interesting uh, question. That's interesting. Um, oh, I well, think... but adverts during, like, maybe before the film. Yeah, I mean, the know. whole the Marvel credit thing where it used to flick through the comics, now it's not that. Now it's the, the 10 years of MCU. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'd like, I'd get that and hopefully they'll go back to the more comic thing so yeah. you're seeing a wee bit but then that's hardly promoting it. I, I think they could but then what do you do then? Like, you know, you have product placement in it, maybe them having a kind of a a meta moment where well that's what Steve Rogers isn't about anymore he could be an artist for for Marvel <laughs> oh, wow. comics and they could get really like, like he was back in the old days yeah like that you know um, but I, I don't know it almost feels like the films themselves are promoting the comics but at the same time maybe some advert or something beforehand because you do get trailers of comics nowadays mm-hmm. you know so I don't see why you can have that for a film you know there's such a, a juggernaut the like Disney Marvel it's, it would make sense to have maybe some form of kind of product placement is they could do it all. Here's the newest creative team for Spider Man. Here's the like a new, nice jumping on point for Avengers. Oh, here's a mini series for Black Widow. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah, totally. I think they could maybe do a wee bit more, but how? I don't know. Indeed, uh, it's not my job to do their advertisement for them. Even, so even just like a promo for check out your local comic shop or something, you know, or just at the beginning, uh, yeah. before the movie is a wee kind of like thing. Also, also available. But the then. thing is though, like the, the, the audience these days, that you've got the internet now, like these yeah. pe- they like people use it, like the, the, the next thing they do after they see the film, they go on the IMDB page and they get all their trivia through that and everything else. So, yeah, well. you know, you're getting all your information through that or the questions about characters because mm. we, we do get people coming in asking about certain, you know, oh, what, how do I read, what do I read for Infinity War and then we're like oh Infinity Gauntlet would be the one to read and all that Mm -hmm. stuff or you know um, Spider-Man like kind of uh, his his identity being revealed or that Mm -hmm. well you know Civil War you know etc etc you know you've got things like that yeah people say I want Infinity War and say do you mean Infinity Gauntlet that that Infinity War is a different thing in the comics because it's (laughs) it's based on Infinity Gauntlet see when Age of Ultron came out at the time that was a bit of an annoyance because like the actual comic Age of Ultron was completely different nothing at all yeah because like the the comics like a big dystopian future version of the the Avengers is a future past yeah yeah kind of I I Aye, Ultron's won and the, yeah. the planet's just kind of been devastated and the Avengers are the rag tag team or, or not even the Avengers just who's left yeah. Um, but yeah um, so I'd like yeah I, to answer your question I think they could do more but mm-hmm. um, I don't know indeed moving on to the next question it's from Gavin Rizzo hi Gavin dear dynamic duo I'm guessing that's us what was the first comic book each of you remember owning do you still love it today and why 
Gavin's with his Batman 425, and I still love it because of that crushingly good cover art. P.S. Don't forget to give the new Death Set series some love. Yes, we just did. We did tell her on, yeah. There you go. So it's great stuff. Right, uh, so Batman 425 was his. That was the one where Batman is a fairly, I think it's a white cover, and he's in like a wrecking yard, and lots of cars are going to fall on him and crush him, if I recall correctly. Ah, oh, uh, it's so, uh, Stalin yeah, it's around that time. Yeah, uh, right. Um, no, I know. I know the issue. I know exactly mm. what issue. I couldn't yeah. think of it for a minute, but yeah, yeah, I do. I, 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 I like that. So yes, what, what, what do you remember yours? I've I've had quite a few, but I don't really know which one was first. But I remember quite a few of the early ones. Honestly, the uh, well, I started reading them in the British reprint format, mm-hmm. like in uh, John Menzies back in the day. My dad used to get me them uh, and I'd watch the cartoons and that when I was younger mm-hmm. and films obviously uh, the, <laughs> I say not Spider-Man films obviously <laughs> you know but like Batman and Superman and uh, you know I just I knew I liked superheroes and that so mm-hmm. yeah I got uh, mm-hmm. X-Men and Spider-Man at the time it was Astonishing Spider-Man and Essential X-Men uh, that's what they were calling them oh, they're right, still okay. called that now mm-hmm. But yeah, I got them, and both of them were in the mists of uh, Spider-Man was the Clone Saga. That's wow. how that's how far they got to it, uh, reprinting at the time. So you had Ben Riley. Ben Riley just jumped at me, like in terms of the design. I don't know what it was. You're a wee okay. guy, and you're just like, oh, that's so cool. And Age of Apocalypse was just. <laughs> I think that issue in particular reprinted a lot of the Generation Next stuff. Wow. <laughs> and that just really captured my imagination because I knew who Apocalypse was. Like from the cartoons, so oh, I, I kind of yeah. I, I knew yeah. I'd, I'd had a, a good idea who these characters were already, but uh, reading them, yeah, it was um, the Clone Saga. I don't like because <laughs> it's crap. <laughs> you know, uh, well, got, got you into comics though. Nah, Spider Man got me in the comics. Yeah. It wasn't that storyline. <laughs> <laughs> Spider Side, no, thank you. But Age of Apocalypse, I think, has aged really well uh, in terms of like. You know, the fact you've got John and Hickman citing it as well mm-hmm. is is phenomenal. It shows you the impact at some of them as well. And yeah, Blink, Blink jumped out of it as well. So a particular issue number. Um, do I have any? I, I do have one from whenever I, I, I started. Maybe not the number, just, you know. No, but like, issue, well, yeah. those are like from when I was a wee guy and I would ah. collect them. But the first time I was like, like the first comic shop I came to was for Ben Planet. Uh, and one of the first ones I bought was uh, J. Michael Straczynski's um, Amazing Spider-Man, oh, issue nice. 30 this will be volume 2 of the day. Oh. and uh, you had him writing and John Romita Jr. doing interiors and J. Scott Campbell doing covers for it and yeah, that would be the first comic that got me actually into a comic shop because I wasn't, I didn't go in the comic shops to get these, I got them in John Menzies who yeah. would become W. Smith, so just kind of local ones I mm-hmm. wouldn't come into a comic shop and buy them until I was a, wee, a little bit older, so yeah, it would be that. So, Mason Spider Man issue theory. Okay. J. Michael Straczynski. Oh, there you go. That's very exciting. Uh, I've got a few, uh, being slightly older. Uh, <laughs> the ones I remember are the death of Mr. Terrific in the Justice League Justice Society crossover mm-hmm. issue. Uh, on uh, Part one of that is a two part story, and I didn't get the second part of that for about 15 years. <laughs> So I never knew who killed him for fifteen years. That's that's a mystery. Uh, yeah. So there was that one. There was uh, the Flash issue two eighty eight. I think it was. It was uh, Flash versus Doctor Alchemy, and it's part two of a three part story. And again, it took me ages to track down the other two issues. Yeah, I can imagine it but, would be. Yeah, I loved that at the time. Secret Society of Supervillains issue five. Uh, I, I remember getting that off of one of my friends because uh, that was an even older comic. Uh, and that's been kicking around for a while, and that's basically Sinestro attacking the Sinister Citadel, and it was the end of the whole first Dark Side arc in it. Because the first five issues is kind of a story arc. It's very messy. It's a really messy title, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had Sinestro basically saying, you know, I'm off. I've had enough of this. We'll just, just, you know, cause an earthquake in San Francisco before I go, as he does, you know, as he does. Uh, and you had Captain Comet trying to hold up a building, which I thought was really cool. So that, uh, from the British comics, I used to get lots of the British comic titles, you know, like Beano, Nutty, Wow, stuff that was out there. I think he, Beano, Beano Dandy, which are kind of yeah. like low entry one as mm-hmm. well, like the kind of comics. Uh, I don't, that's weird because I don't count them. Yeah, which no, I know is a bit I, weird. I, I, I feel guilty ones, for not yeah. counting them, but I don't. I don't know why. I never have. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Dandy was my pick. Desperate Dan. But again, <laughs> speaking of the British reprints that got you into it, one of the ones that I got was like uh, the Avengers, and it was reprinting all the early stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was the one shot first appearance of Wonder Man, 
and I think that's one of the reasons why I love that issue so much. I think it's well, I think it's pretty much a perfect done in one story. It's got a full character arc. It's got some really cool, engaging villains. It's got heroes being heroic. It's got self-sacrifice. It's so good. It's just all in one issue, and it's been so good that Grant Morrison then managed it in his JLA run. So yeah, I love that single issue, and that's probably what really got me into comics. Magic! Because I think that was a wee bit early. So, there you go. Hope that answers. That's a lot of questions. That's all you're getting, Gav. All right. Okay. No more. No more. And... Spider-Man no more. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, from UK Funko Pop Collector, what's it like to work in a place like Forbidden Planet? Well... It's good. Currently... <laughs> Currently, the Glasgow store is looking for more staff. So, uh, obviously, we're expanding with the new shop. So, if you want to know uh, how, what it's like to work in a place like here, then why don't you apply to work here? Yes, listener, you can. This is just the Glasgow store. You'll have to check your local store to see if they are taking people on. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there you go. That answers our questions it from does. you lovely listeners. And thanks very much for supplying them to us. There we go. Now, we're going to wrap up this bad boy. All the comics we've talked about this week, you can find on our website. That's forbiddenplanet.co.uk Or, if you're stateside, you can go to www.fpnyc.com Right, there you go. There you go. I'm absolutely shattered. I'm going to go off for not 40 winks, but 100 winks. 100 winks. 100 woozy winks. Uh, and on that note, woozy winks. Woozy winks. Gadgets. There you go. There's a flashback. I'm just because I'm thinking of nostalgic comics now. <laughs> uh, so I've been Peter. I've been Derek. And I'm going to go to bed, I think, after this. I need to go back to work, so no rest for the wicked. So. so thanks so much for listening, and thanks again to Mark Russell for that amazing interview. Cheers. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye. 100. Okay.